Welcome to Short Course, episode 69, for May 24th, 2020. I'm your host, Ben Barry. This week's episode is going to be a little bit different. Um, I tried last week, it's actually been a week since I recorded this, uh, to and from practice, just trying something different. I, I used a portable audio recorder and, and actually recorded this uh, during the long but relatively uneventful drive to uh, to practice. It's You're just driving along a straight country road for about half an hour. Uh, and so I just turned on the recorder and, and started talking about something uh, that had been on my mind. I'd, I'd had it queued up as the as the next podcast to talk about. Uh, I mentioned it on episode 68. And so it just seemed like a good time. I sort of had the notes all in my head, so I just I just rattled it off. Um, as it is, I'm not thrilled with the audio quality. There's definitely a little bit too much background noise, and, and it sounds kind of funny at different spots. So I, I don't know that I'll be doing this again, but listening to it, I didn't think that I could necessarily capture some of the, uh, the tangents that I thought were pretty relevant uh, along the way. And so I'm just going to run it as is, try to clean up the audio for you guys. Hopefully it's not too bad to listen to, and uh, we'll be back in normal studio production quality soon. But for now, uh, here you go. On previous on the previous episode, on the last episode of Short Course, I talked about a club match that I went to that uh, I hadn't been to in a while, probably since the last summer. And that match that I thought was interesting and, and worth talking about is the Go Shoot uh, USPSA match. It's run by Chris Tilly. He has a, a range, some land out uh, outside of town here in Raleigh, near Raleigh. And he runs he runs a match, and certainly relative to all the matches around here, it has a very different flavor in a couple ways that I find very interesting. Um, now, this is all I, I've had a couple conversations with Chris where you know we're on good speaking terms, but I, I didn't sort of uh, ask him anything about this. So a lot of what I'm going to say here is just my impressions from either sort of what I've seen or or you know what I've been able to sort of interpret and read between the lines. But uh, at the end of the day, I actually think that a lot of a lot of the things that are interesting about this match, regardless of intent, the result is I think what is what is worth talking about. So um, Chris is an interesting guy. He's, you know, he's been shooting USPSA for a very long time. I think he made GM when he was like 14 uh, in shooting open. He's basically always shot open. Um, went to like a junior world shoot in, uh, or went to the world shoot as a junior when it was in South Africa, which I think was like 98, something like that. But the, the reason I bring all this up is part of what I think is interesting about Chris is he's shot overseas a lot. He's shot a lot of IPSC and IPSC. So technically USPSA is the U S region, the, the U S representative of, of IPSC. IPSC is the international practical shooting confederation. It was founded in the U S but, um, over, over the years, as it spread to other countries, it became the sort of global worldwide sanctioning body. And at some point, um, I wish there was actually an official history on, on anything like this. Uh, I don't know exactly when USPSA uh, first established a separate rule book, but at some point the U.S. region decided they were going to be a member of IPSC but not follow IPSC rules exactly. And more than that, IPSC has a just has a different culture about certain things. 
Um, so, for example, the the rules in the IPSC rulebook and the USPSA rulebook are roughly identical around um, inspecting stages before the match begins, but they are implemented in a way in IPSC such that uh, you are not allowed to look at the stages like step foot. It is they're interpreted as being the 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 range master does not make them available uh, by policy. Not it's not necessarily a difference in the rulebook. It's just the way the the policy is sort of mandated, and, and that's just what people expect at matches overseas. So there's there's not really much point showing up early to an IPSC match, showing up the day before to walk stages because they they won't let you. And so everybody's used to just show up and walk your stages during your squad's five minute walkthrough and go shoot. And they, this actually has some interesting implications that are completely aside the the main topic here. But I think the main one is this. By, by removing this expectation that people show up early, uh, there's an entire class of obtuse memory stages and gimmicky kind of stupid stages. The ones that, you know, if you go to a 10 stage level two match, the one that everybody's spending an hour looking at, they know that those stages, if people only have five minutes to look at them, they know that those stages will just be a smoking crater. And so they don't run them. They run, they, they just, it just eliminates that entire class of stage, which I think is a good thing. I think those if if a stage requires that long to look at now maybe it re- would reward it maybe oh there's this interesting angle over here and you know da 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 like th- that that stuff is interesting but if it's a stage where you know you need to spend 30 minutes looking at it just to have some kind of a clue cuz it's like i said some kind of obtuse memory stage or, or just something annoying like that yeah having having that entire class of stage deleted from USPSA would not make me sad so that that said um i, I think there is sort of a a, a benefit to that uh, but aside from that so so that culture is not actually something that's reflected at, at Chris's match so this is this is a typical club match you can show up pretty much as early as you want the stages aren't closed uh, so you know look around have fun and uh, and take a look at them but there are some other things that that have sort of come to this match from international matches that I find interesting uh, one was this particular match that I shot the, that happened to be, I don't know, I'm actually recording this as I'm driving, so I, I can't see the, uh, I can't look up the exact date. But um, Chris is running, he'll run multiple matches a month, especially as, as other matches have been shut down due to the coronavirus. So he's been running something, I think, almost every weekend. So this isn't all of his matches, but th- this one particular one that I went to, he set up to be very Ipsic style. And, and that means uh, it followed the... IPSC three two one stage breakdown rules, which is basically all the having three short courses for every two medium courses for every one long course. Um, and again, I can't come up with the numbers off the top of my head. I believe uh, short is 12 rounds or fewer. Uh, medium is like 22, 24 or fewer. And then a long course is 32 or fewer. And so the, the way this match was set up, it was actually an 11 stage club match. And we still shot it in like four and a half hours uh, because, again, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I mean, four, five, six, something like half the stages were, were short courses. Um, there was only one long course, two mediums, um, or like three mediums, one long, five shorts, and a classifier, something like that. Uh, but I thought it was, I thought it was really interesting, um, especially the the squad that I was on. The way that we did it is, is we didn't. Um, we didn't run the two stages back to back. So when we would be on a bay with two short courses, we would run everybody through the first short course and then roll one shooter 
and start everybody. Or no, maybe we'd stay on the same shooter. Either way, we, we ran the whole squad through one stage before we started the second one. And that was really, I think, a very interesting experience in the sense that it is it is it is very challenging to try and focus all your attention on shooting a 12 round or less, right? I mean, some of these short courses were nine to 11 rounds. It, it, is a, it is a challenge that is not really reflected in USPSA to focus on really executing a very short burst of speed. You know, it's like the, the difference between a 100-meter dash and, and an 800-meter dash. You know, there, there is no, there's no real space in USPSA as it's currently practiced for that 100-meter dash type pace. Um, you know, most of, our, most of our stages are 22... Uh, at least 22 rounds, usually more like 28, 30, 32. Most club matches, if you you know took the round count, divided it by the number of stages, you're going to average out to probably about 30 rounds a stage. Just just an observation. Not all matches are like that, but but most of them are. And that is a that is a skill. Um, being able to shoot those short stages quickly, um, no room for error. You know, you're you're not having to remember a lot in your head. You just have a couple things. You just have to execute very quickly. Um, it is it is an interesting skill, and honestly, that's part of the reason that people um, don't do well on classifiers in USPSA. Is there are no other stages, there are no other times when you're just executing twelve rounds worth of work at maximum speed, you're, where you're not juggling anything else. You're just trying to do, you know, you're just shooting a short course. When we do have short stages, they're usually some kind of either you know, speed shoot or standard stage, which, okay, yeah, there's some overlap there with classifiers. But the the point here being there, there is a challenge in being able to shoot short courses, not just speed shoots, not just stand and shoots, not just standards, but an actual short course where potentially you might have to move to two to three positions. You might have to step into the shooting area, shoot two targets, move to another position, shoot two targets, reload, shoot two more at a third position, something like that. There, there is, there is a challenge there that is not entirely tested, just by being good at shooting twenty-four round, thirty round, thirty-two round field courses. And so the fact that this this club match included a mix of those, I found very interesting and honestly very refreshing and rewarding. Um, and. I think it gets to an, uh, a more subtle sort of fundamental point about, about skills, which is in the same way that I'm trying to think what a good comparison is to this. The, so the, the, the main one that comes to mind is it is rare for a three gunner who is a very good three gunner to come and be a very good USPSA shooter, but it tends to go the other way. If you can get good at shooting a handgun, quickly and accurately the and, and practicing the skills and and have the have sort of the, the discipline and the repetition to, to actually put in the time to get good with one gun you can usually do it with three um, and so in that sense there there is a case to be made that sort of pistol shooting action pistol shooting is actually the hardest part it is a harder sport it is it is more um, it is a better test in the sense that People who are, if you have a test, let's put it this way, if you have a test and 50 people can pass one test and 20 people can pass the other test, then the, the test that selects the 20 people is the harder test. 
Now, that doesn't mean it's a better test. It, it, you have to look at the tests themselves to actually evaluate, okay, are they, do they have merit? Do they recognize something interesting? But at a fundamental level, you can't deny that the, the test that fewer people succeed at is, is more selective and is therefore, if it maps to something in the real world, likely to provide more value. And so having a sport, um, you see the same thing with USPSA and, and IDPA. So it's very rare that someone who just crushes skulls at IDPA, whatever that means, I don't, I don't even know how competitive IDPA really is these days. It's very rare that someone who crushes skulls in IDPA comes over and just boom, immediately is good at, at USPSA. Whereas the opposite is and has been repeatedly true. Uh, people who you know, do well in, in USPSA almost always can look at the somewhat arbitrary rule set of IDPA and just adapt to it. So this sounds like what I'm saying here is, okay, USPSA is better than all the other shooting sports. And I mean, to a certain degree, I think it is. Um, and there's another episode to be had in this about why the USPSA scoring system is actually mathematically better, but I'll have to do that another time. But the further extension of that is, I think, if USPSA is a better test for finding good shooters than IDPA or 3-Gun, which I believe that it is, um, I would also posit that IPSC with the 3-2-1 format is an even better test because it tests more things, because it requires more well-roundedness. It, it, is, it is a better way of discriminating good shooters from mediocre shooters. How does it do that? Part of its short courses that sort of test more of a sprint than a marathon type uh, style, which certainly if you want to talk purely practically, um, you are, you're, you know, you, your average gunfight, right, doesn't last 32 rounds, certainly not scored hits. It might, might be suppressive fire for 32 rounds, but very unlikely to actually matter, have, have consequential hits for, for 32 rounds. Um, but, you know, that's assuming this is all about self-defense, which I think we all know it kind of has grown beyond. That might be where some of us get into the sport, but, but it's, it's grown beyond that. But beyond that, I mean, IPSC has rules, um, and to a certain degree culture, but, but also some rules where they can have a 12-round short course that, that requires movement to complete that has to be shot entirely strong or weakened. If I remember correctly, I'll, I'll have to double-check this, but if I remember correctly, the USPSA rulebook uh, currently only allows speed shoots to have the whole thing be mandated uh, to be shot like we candid, which means the whole thing has to be shot from one position. You can have multiple arrays, but only one position. Um, and short courses, I think you can only dictate the on any other stage, you can only dictate that that like the rounds after a mandatory reload are strong or weak, that type of thing. So there, as as far as I understand it, I'd have to double check the rule book, but but my understanding is there is there is nothing like what we saw at the World Shoot in 2014, um, where there was this whole stage where you had a couple ports you had to go to, and you had to shoot the whole thing weak-handed. Which is that a valid test of shooting? I mean, you can argue that it is or it isn't, but I think if you want to be good at shooting, knowing how to apply the the techniques with just one hand is is part of the sport. Is it fun? No, no, it's not. Um, does it does it annoy people who want to just come out and shoot uh, six thirty-two round field courses on the weekend to blow off stress, and they're not actually that interested in getting better? Yeah, um, 
th those those people don't really like these kinds of challenging things. But if the point of USPSA is to be Joe Bob's tactical shoot where we come out and blow off as many rounds as we can to have fun, then that's fine. But let's make another organization where we actually test gun skills as strenuously as we can to determine who is the best shooter. That's that's the organization that I want to be a part of. And to me, it looks like IPSEC is outpacing USPSA at that. Okay, sorry about that. I was driving to the range. Now I'm driving home from the range. Um, so I will try and pick up where I left off. So this match run by Tilly, um, first of all, this, this particular instance ran a mix of short and long courses. I think that's interesting. I think it tests something that is more difficult. I think that, like I said, I think having to shoot a range of different stage lengths well is a more difficult test. And so I think it is, as someone who is interested in sort of testing myself and participating in the sport that is the best test, uh, I think that's cool. I think that's interesting. And honestly, it's just, there, there are just more interesting stages that you can have you know, you can have some really interesting 12 to 18 round stages. Like medium courses, honestly, I think are where the most interesting stuff can happen. Um, short courses, you know, obviously, um, you don't have that many rounds to play with. But at the same time, you can just make it a, a very interesting little challenge. And if you, if you flub one, you know, because let's say it's a 10-round short course. Okay, it's only worth 50 match points. Uh, it's not that that catastrophic if you have a jam on one. And you, you know, you get 50% of the field, uh, but you you have to you have to be able to if half the match is short courses, as it would be in a, a 3-2-1 Ipsic match, then you have to do well on at least most of them. Um, you know, you can't completely throw them away left and right. So you need to. But at the same time, you don't want to be swinging for the fences. You definitely do not want to be trying to win. The short courses because you're just going to wreck. Um, you, you have to be happy just chunking away 90-95% of whatever the B-class guy that swings for the fences and, and wins the short course. You have to be happy with that because ultimately that's what's going to win you the match. So anyway, um, I, I found the, the mix of stages interesting. Uh, matches around here, around Central North Carolina, are doing that to varying degrees. I definitely think that Having running the whole squad through one and then running the whole squad through the other is the way to go. Um, if nothing else, it's just it, it's more of a pain for the whole squad when you have to have you know two tablets that you're juggling or you know you're trying to score all the targets at once. It seems like it would be faster, and maybe at a level two match it would be faster um, if you know if you had infinite people scoring and pasting. But um, what I found is it just tends to bog down because trying to have two people scoring and pasting different groups of people pasting each each even if it is a short course there's just something about it it just doesn't doesn't work out in practice from what i've seen so anyway my recommendation both for match flow and also just as a shooter i find it it works a lot better just run everybody through the first one then run everybody through the second one nobody does a crazy super duper make ready um and it you know you're not really saving that much time by leaving everybody hot especially at a club match people you know I, I I really I can think of uh, two maybe three people off the top of my head who actually do like crazy goofy minute and a half GM uh, make ready dances for a short course you know just 
just let people focus, put all their energy into doing one, reload their mags, focus and putting all their energy into doing the next one. I think that makes both the better for competitors because they're sort of focusing all their attention on on a very focused problem um and it just it just runs better from a match perspective but uh the other thing that i thought was really interesting about this match well in this this kind of breaks down into two pieces um so this match is so most of the matches here in in central north carolina are run by volunteers at some kind of gun club um so you know, for example, the Sir Walter USPSA match that I talk about ad nauseum on this podcast is run by volunteers. They don't see a dime of the money. All the money goes to the club via the USPSA committee. Um, the, the committee has some ability to influence where that money goes and can use it to buy props and targets and so forth. Uh, but the, the people who the match director, the stats guy, the stage designers, the setup crew, they don't they don't get a dime. Um, you, you know, if you set up, if you come to set up the day before you get a free match, but that's it. Um, and that's, you know, what, five hours of work to save 20 bucks. So not exactly a great hourly rate right there. So you're not doing it for the money is what I'm saying. So anyway, um, and the, the Sir Walter match fee is, I think it's 20 or $25, um, 15 for members. If you're a club member, which is cool. Um, and I, I think one of the issues um, is matches on average, certainly the quality of matches around here, um, matches on average are too cheap. I think matches, just like a good restaurant or uh, you know a theme park or, or whatever it is, you should be able to tell something about the match um, just by the price. You know, if you were if you were going to buy you know your first tool, you know your your first set of wrenches and you wanted to tell okay like is there a quality difference if you don't know what the brands mean you don't know anything else just looking at the price it'll kind of tell you like okay here's an entry-level model here's a like here's something for professionals for people that take it really seriously and you'd know like oh okay i don't actually need the whatever you know hammer drill that's meant to be used eight hours a day five days a week for you know six years or whatever so prices should convey information and in my opinion, the pricing of matches, at least around here, really doesn't do that. If you look at all the matches, they all cost about the same. And I think this is bad for, for the reason I've just stated. You can't really tell, um, as, a, you know, as a beginner, the price doesn't really convey any information. Um, also, I, I think they're, the part of the reason level two matches, bigger matches, are popular is, is they they cost more money, which has, uh, yes, okay, you get the staff and you get all that, but you also draw people from, from further around and you it raises the bar, right? The people at a level two match, generally speaking, on average, are going to be more serious. And I, on the one hand, I do not want this sport to become elitist. I don't want it to become hard to get into. I don't want it to be, I'm not necessarily looking for, hmm, well, I was going to say, I'm not looking for something that, Canada black badge course where you basically have to go through some kind of safety and orientation before you can show up for your first USPSA match. I, I don't think that should necessarily be a requirement. I do think USPSA as a, an organization needs to be vigorously pursuing some kind of intro program. I think in the same way that, well, this is a total tangent, but in the same way that clubs uh, can 
host class four matches once a year. I think every USPSA club needs to be needs to host some kind of intro to USPSA event once a year just to give give people who are interested a place to come on board uh, without just showing up to their first match. Because, again, I don't want the sport to become elitist, but when I'm trying to, you know, do my thing and, and shoot and participate in the sport that I spend a lot of time in, um, having, you know, having people where it's their first match, it changes the dynamic a little bit. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't want this to be taken the wrong way in that I I don't like new shooters, but at the same time, when I'm trying to shoot my best, it is conducive to do that with a squad full of other people that are serious, know the rules. I'm not having to, you know, worry about people, either, you know, other people running the timer when they're clearly not qualified to do that or being, you know, hesitant to call safety infractions. Just all that stuff is just noise that I don't want to deal with. And that's one of the nice things about bigger matches in general. Um, and, and I think a higher price signals that. So would I, let me put it this way. So in the summer, I think, you know, Sir Walter, um, they'll run 14 man squads. And, you know, even at a match fee of 20 bucks or 25 bucks, would I pay double to be in a squad half the size? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think it would be worth, you know, I, I don't shoot that many matches. I shoot one to two matches a month. And so would it be worthwhile? Like I, I Money is not, I mean, obviously I'm not shooting open and, and throwing money around, but I'm, I'm judicious with where I spend my money. I, I buy economical bullets. I reload my own ammo. And so if I could allocate, you know, a little bit more money to shoot a match where it was either people who were more hardcore about USPSA or smaller squads or both, would that be worth money to me? Yes, absolutely. Um, and that's, that's what's interesting about to me about about this match at, at Tilly's is um, he charges 35 bucks which you know for 11 stages I mean some of his other matches have been you know even the shorter ones um, shorter in the sense of longer stages but fewer of them I think he normally runs eight stages even those who charge 35 bucks I, I am a hundred percent okay with that I I would in fact prefer to pay more for a higher quality product um, and, you know, should there be $20 USPSA matches? Yes. What should those look like? Maybe they're five stages in a classifier. Not that interesting. You know, I mean, the, there should be really good matches. We as a, as a community should be willing to pay for quality because that will cause it to actually be supplied. Um, you have people like Tilly who's sort of running a, a private... I mean, it's a for-profit match. Every, every dollar that he makes is potentially... You know, he is he is a craftsman or you know a tradesman, however you want to look at it. He's he's working to create something of value, and so if he does a better job and he can charge more money, that's that's better for everyone. There's um, another match director I know around here who's he he used to run the uh, the wake indoor match. He used to run um, outdoor matches under the the banner of SFE Shooters, um, and they were honestly great matches. Technical, difficult. And his whole thing was he wanted everybody, he wanted everybody through, I think we started at 10 and he, he wanted everybody done by 2.30 for a six or seven stage match. So he was always, you know, he wouldn't let the squads get too big, even though he could make more money. Um, you know, he, he wanted to really build a quality experience and then people would trust that uh, that it was worth paying for. And and I, I loved it. I signed up for it all the time. 
Um, so yeah, I think as a as a community, we should welcome the opportunity to have prices dictate and communicate information. Um, also, it should probably be expensive to shoot four matches a month because, I mean, this is getting a little paternalistic, but shooting four matches a month is not good. Like, it's, I, I think people over-consume matches if they are actually serious about getting better. People shooting every weekend, they, they, they have no time to practice, almost certainly. Um, the people that tend to shoot a match every weekend, um, I find, tend not to be the ones who are serious about getting better. They just want to show up and shoot. And that's fine. I'm not saying that that's a, that is a wrong attitude. But I'm saying that is not the, in my mind, that is not who this sport should be catering to. The, the sport should be a place where we, we want people to get better. We want people to be tested. And if it is, you know, expensive to shoot four matches a month because every match costs 30, 35, 40, heck, 50 bucks. Would I pay 50 bucks for a high quality club match? If, yeah. Yeah, if I, if, if I had enough reason to believe from reputation, YouTube videos, I mean, there, there are plenty of ways to get the word out about a, a really high quality match. Um, would I pay 50 bucks for a club match? Yes, I absolutely would. Now, I know you guys are like, you cannot believe I'm saying this, but because I, you know, I shoot production, I shoot nine millimeter because it's cheap, but my time is is the hardest thing for me to get more of right now. And so if I can swap a little more money for a lot, save a lot of time or a lot of hassle or get more benefit out of the matches that I'm already driving an hour and a half, two hours round trip to go to, if I can, you know, spend a little bit more money to, to get more value out of it, yeah, I'm good with that. So till he charges more money, and I think crucially, um, you pay when you register. And I think this is going to be, you know, right now this is something that you only do, this is something that's only common for level two matches. Level two matches require you to pay to reserve your spot, usually because a level two match is gonna cost, level two or above, uh, but your average level two is gonna cost somewhere between one to $200. And obviously people understand the, the importance of that. This is something, you know, so level two matches need to not have people spuriously registering and then dropping out later without some consequences. So they, they require money up front. Great. Um, most of the matches around here that don't do this, you are, and if they are likely to fill up, you are incentivized to sign up as soon as the match opens. And if, if you have even a 5% chance of wanting to go shoot, because if you wait until a week before the match and you know whether you're not whether or not you can actually shoot, uh, then you are unlikely to, to be able to get a slot. You, you, there's probably going to be a wait list. You'll probably, you probably won't be able to get in. And so as a match director, match directors are in this terrible situation where they often, and this, this happened to me when I would run a, a the, when I was running registration for the, uh, the wake indoor match back in gosh, 2014, 2015, back around then, um, you know, we would, we would fill up within two days. And then as the match got closer and closer, and I think at the time we would have, four, we could have four squads and I would do four squads of 17 because I knew that 17 people wouldn't actually show up. Um, and as we got closer to the date, usually, so let's see, four times 17, that was uh, 68 shooters. I'm doing this math off the top of my head. Four, yeah, four times 10, yeah, 68 shooters. And um, 
people would drop out, and on the actual match day, we would usually have squads of 13 or 14, um, just because people would drop out. And so I had to oversubscribe the squads, because when people dropped out, there was no way, like, they, there was no deposit, they didn't pay up front, and so they just, they just canceled, and, and they never showed up, and so they, they didn't pay uh, up front, or in, in person. And, you know, that was fine. That was okay. It was a small indoor match, whatever. It wasn't wasn't designed to make a lot of money. But the for for a match, if USPSA at the club level is going to be successful and profitable and, you know, make enough money to make it worth people's time, um, essentially if we're gonna move beyond this this model, which I think most most clubs run on, where the match director is somebody who's been in the sport for a long time. They are dedicated to the sport, uh, but they basically have to give up any dreams and ambitions of shooting well for as long as they're match director, at least at their own match. Uh, they will work their butt off, um, either showing up the day before the match to build stages or the morning of the match to build the stages, make sure they're all built, having to recruit staff to, to, to build. Either they design all the stages themselves, they have to constantly be uh having a you know a group of people submitting stages reviewing them coordinating them making sure that you're not using more props than the club has for a given match i mean it's it's a lot of work and it's frankly not something that um that, that's that's very appealing it is a bad deal for most folks and the fact that the sport manages to keep as many people as we do running matches for essentially no money um purely out of the goodness of their own hearts um it, I, I don't see it sustain. I don't see it as sustainable. I don't see it as really a, a, a launch pad for growth. And so, you know, changing the model so that people can actually both not be liable for people flaking out. So it's like, okay, you flake out. Okay, maybe you get a partial refund, um, but you at least, you know, you paid ten bucks to hold the slot, and or maybe it's, you know, if there's someone else on the wait list, you get your money back. If not, you don't. Something like that. You know, I mean, there, there are different ways to arrange it, but but the upshot of it is this this idea of a system that incentivizes people to uh, hold a slot just to have the free option is is fundamentally broken and it won't scale. Whereas, you know, for me, I don't mind paying up front because it, I, I have to actually decide and plan, okay, I'm going to go to this match. Um, and the flip side is if people have to pay up front, they're more like it is less likely that the match will be waitlisted. It is much less likely that that match is going to fill up completely, um, just because there are I think a lot of people who sign up speculative, speculatively that they sign up because they think they might be able to go. Whereas in a system where you actually have to put cash on the barrel head to say yes, I'm going to go, you're going to have fewer people drop out and fewer sort of speculative people taking up slots. So I I. Again, for me, for where I am in my shooting career, you know, where I want to go to club matches that are well-run, that are interesting, and, and I have the ability to choose. There are a number of club matches all within driving distance, and so I'm, I'm going to choose the ones that sort of suit my, uh, my interests. But having club matches that charge enough money to be worthwhile for the, for the club, um, that require the money up front, to, to register, it just, the, the structure of it is much more sustainable and it's beneficial for, for pretty much everybody, um, except 
people who want to register for matches and then no show or people who want to shoot four matches, six matches a month, which, you know, if they've got that kind of money, fine. It doesn't bother me, but I don't think we should be um, lowering the bar for, for those people. I think as far as I'm concerned, I like matches that reward people who focus and train and want to go to a few high quality club matches a month instead of, you know, okay, there are four Saturdays and four Sundays in the month. How many of those can I fill with a match? Okay. Like I, yeah, I just, that that's not, I'm not interested in that. So I like that about this match. I've, uh, I've shot it. Like I said, I shot this a couple weeks ago, um, which is the first time since last summer. And, you know, it, don't get me wrong. The match was not perfect. Um, some of the props were unreliable. The target presentations were uneven. Um, so, you know, there, there's um, there's that. It's not... There are things about the match that I think could be improved. But those are sort of the, the, the few things that I thought were, were really interesting and I'd like to see more of. Because I just... I think... I think if we want to have clubs running matches, I think we, we as a community need to be willing to pay for quality. I think we need to be willing to pay up front. You know, who 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 expects to go to a movie and reserve your spot for the movie but then pay at the window when you get there? No, nobody. If you want to reserve a, a seat to go see a movie, you pay the cash and maybe maybe there's a refund policy, maybe there isn't. But the theater is a business and they need to not be not be at risk of people just on a whim not not showing up and and giving them the revenue that they've allocated you know for the for the slot that they reserved for someone so yeah those i think those things are interesting to me i think hopefully we'll start seeing them more at at more club matches just because i i think it's what the what the sport needs to continue to grow i think that the way that it is right now the sort of volunteer model um it's a bad deal um i you know i there, I know of clubs around here that have been running matches for a very long time, and and I just it just I look at it and I see the match directors getting burned out and getting frustrated, and and I just I don't see how it's sustainable, and so I'm worried that we're, you know, we're gonna have matches going away soon, and I, I would love it if the sport was in a sort of more mature way where we weren't just we weren't just treating this as, you know, people showing up on the weekends just uh just to sort of do the best they can, but actually, you know, making it something that people are willing to pay money for and, and raising that expectation. Um, so that's all I've got. Hopefully this audio was, uh, was pretty decent. Sorry if it was more rambling than usual, obviously the circumstances are somewhat different, but this is a way that I am trying to fit in more recording time, um, just to try something different. So, That's all I've got for today. Talk to you next time.